What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Irresistible and Malcolm and Marie. But first, let's talk about the movie Irresistible. Here's a quick synopsis. After the fallout of losing the 2016 presidential election, Gary Zimmer, a Democratic political consultant, agrees to run the small-time campaign of Jack Hastings, a retired Marine who is looking to become the mayor of Deer Lake in Wisconsin. I highly anticipated this film for two reasons. It was directed by Jon Stewart, and it has an all-star cast that includes include Steve Carell, Rose Byrne, Chris Cooper, Mackenzie Davis, and Topher Grace. And for the most part, this movie did not live up to my heavy expectations because it wasn't what I wanted from a political satire in 2020. And that starts with the lead character played by Steve Carell. And this film epitomizes why I like Steve Carell in dramas way more than I like him in comedies. Because in comedies, except for the 40-year-old version and Date Night, he plays the the same type of characters over and over again. A doofus boss who has no right being in charge. He did it in The Office, he did it in that Netflix show Space Force, and now he's doing it in this. In dramas that have a mix of comedy like Little Miss Sunshine, Dan in Real Life, Crazy Stupid Love, Foxcatcher, The Big Short, Vice, and A Beautiful Boy, he shows he's way more versatile and showcases why he's a great actor. I'm not saying Steve Carell is not a funny guy, because he is. I just don't like the characters he chooses to play for the most part in comedies. I prefer silly, fun lead characters like the ones usually play by Paul Rudd, Jason Segel, and Andy Samberg. I just like silly way more than I like stupid. And I think Steve Carell tries to play these stupid characters over and over again. And those are funny sometimes, but silly is just way more impactful for me as a comedic fan. And that's why I'm probably way more of a fan of the comedies that Andy Samberg does than the comedy that Steve Carell does. But I think Steve Carell is a better actor than Andy Samberg because he's so good in dramas. And his co-star Rose Byrne is the best thing about this movie and is not in it nearly enough. She's underrated in comedies. I really liked her in the Neighbors films with Seth Rogen and this underrated indie film called Juliet Naked where she co-stars with Chris O'Dowd and Ethan Hawke. I think Rose Byrne has been an underrated actress for quite a while. I really liked her in X-Men First Class. She's been in some big movies. Of course, she really became famous after starring in Bridesmaids. I think Rose Byrne is one of the more underrated comedic actresses working today. Also in this movie is Topher Grace, and it's good to see Topher Grace back in a comedy. I thought he was really funny in a small supporting role. He's become an underrated supporting actor, appearing in movies like Interstellar with Jessica Chastain Truth with Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford, Black Klansman with John David Washington, War Machine with Brad Pitt, Under the Silver Lake with Andrew Garfield, and in now in this with Steve Carell, Grace is returning to sitcoms in the fall as the lead of a new sitcom called Home Economics. As a fan of Topher Grace's work in that 70s show, I have really high hopes for Topher Grace's return to sitcoms. And I'm big fans of Chris Cooper and Mackenzie Davis. Recently, they both given performances I really enjoy. Cooper in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and Little Women, and Davis and Tully in Happiest Season. But in this movie, Irresistible, they feel like they are in a different movie movie than everyone else. Carell, Byrne, and Grace are funny and are supposed to be because the film is a political satire comedy, but Cooper and Davis take this movie way too seriously. Both are not funny at all in this movie. The backstory for Mackenzie Davis's character is so confusing throughout this entire film, and Chris Cooper is just there 
to be the serious guy in a funny movie. Like, he's just not funny at all in this movie. And I'm a big fan of Chris Cooper. This guy is an Academy Award winner for his performance in Spike Jones's film Adaptation, a film I absolutely love. And like I said before, he's been doing such good work recently. But he is so bad in this movie because him and Mackenzie Davis are not in the same movie as everyone else. They're taking this movie way too seriously. They're not having any fun. And they're the reason why the movie isn't that fun. Like I stated earlier, this movie was directed by Jon Stewart, one of the funniest men on planet Earth. The guy who hosted The Daily Show for 15 years and won endless amount of Emmy Awards. And that's why it's surprising this movie isn't that funny. It's only a bit better than Mooseport, a film that starred Gene Hackman and Ray Romano that had a similar premise. And the only reason I mention that film is because Irresistible feels outdated. And if it came out when Mooseport did, it might have been considered a somewhat good movie. But in 2020, it's kind of a blunder. And now we're getting to my biggest problem with this movie, is that this movie does have kind of a bit of a twist ending, which is not earned at all. Even if I do agree with some of the points made by Faith, the character played by Mackenzie Davis, about elections, in general, it fell out of nowhere. They think that they're making something that's really clever, but it's not clever clever at all. It wasn't something I saw coming, but it didn't earn that ending at all. When you have a twist, when you're doing something that I'm not supposed to notice and then all of a sudden it happens, it's supposed to be earned. This movie does not earn its twist ending at all. That ending didn't make any sense and it came out of nowhere. It felt like Jon Stewart didn't know how to end this movie. He had a message and that message is very clear. Election processes are usually pretty bad and they don't care about the small people in small towns after the elections are over. And yes, I agree with that message, but the ending of this movie does not help that message at all. The ending of this movie is super confusing. And if Jon Stewart really wanted to show a serious message like that in a silly satire comedy, then he shouldn't have had it end with a happy ending. In the end, I'm going to spoil it for you here, the small town that Chris Cooper's character and Mackenzie Davis's character are from gets like four $45 million that they just get to use to put back into the town. That ending is not realistic at all. So I don't know how you can have like a poignant message in a movie and then have this ridiculous silly ending that doesn't make any sense. If you want that message to resonate, maybe have it end on a sour note. That's what a good comedy like this should end with. It shouldn't end with a silly, weird, happy ending. Overall, I think Irresistible could have been a better movie if it had been more comedic. More Steve Carell with Rose Byrne and Topher Grace could have easily helped set the tone of the film, which is supposedly a comedy. Irresistible is hardly that. It's easily resistible. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Malcolm and Marie. Here's a quick synopsis. After coming home from the premiere of his new movie Malcolm, a filmmaker gets into a heated discussion with his spouse Marie over their relationship and his new film. And like Irresistible, Malcolm and Marie was a film I was highly into anticipating. The difference is this film 100% lived up to the hype and that's because of the movie star performances given by Zendaya and John David Washington. Let's first talk about Zendaya. This movie is why I'm so excited for Zendaya's career. Not only can she be the star of interesting projects like this in Euphoria, she also appears in big blockbuster films like the Tom Holland Spider-Man films and Dune which is coming out later this year where she will co-star along with Tim 
Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, and Rebecca Ferguson. And Malcolm and Marie, Zendaya gives her best film performances by far and proves she can be the lead of a movie. She gives a scary good performance. Her and Sam Levinson, the director of this film, are forming the best director-actress duo since David O. Russell and Jennifer Lawrence. And I hope they continue to work together. And I am so excited for the second season of Euphoria to drop later this year. Another commonality between Zendaya and Jennifer Lawrence, other than the fact that both of them seemingly work with the same director over and over again, is the fact that Zendaya is now drawing similar criticism that Jennifer Lawrence got for playing characters that are out of her age range. Zendaya is getting criticism for Malcolm and Marie for playing a character that is seemingly older than she is in real life. That's exactly what Jennifer Lawrence was criticized for, for playing characters in Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, and Joy that are way older than she is. And I for one feel like that criticism is so ridiculous. For years we have made movies where 20-something year olds play high schoolers. That's exactly what Zendaya is doing in Euphoria. Zendaya is 24 years old and is playing a high schooler named Rue in Euphoria. Yet nobody cares about that, but when Zendaya wants to play someone older, we criticize her for it. I find that to be completely ridiculous. And like Jennifer Lawrence, it doesn't matter what age the character Zendaya is playing. She's a movie star and a great actress, and that's all that should matter. Also, you never hear men getting criticized for playing characters that are outside of their age range. Nobody really cared that Gary Oldman was playing a character in Herman Mankiewicz in the film Mank that was 20 years younger than he was in real life at that time. Nobody cared because he's Gary Oldman, and nobody should care in this because it's Zendaya, and nobody should care moving forward that it's Jennifer Lawrence. These are great actors. They can play any characters that they want to, in my estimation. John David Washington, the co-lead of this film along with Zendaya, clearly has a career strategy. He is working with some of the best filmmakers working today. Three films in a row. Look at the list of filmmakers John David Washington has worked with. Spike Lee, Christopher Nolan, and now Sam Levinson. He is working with top-notch directors, and currently he's working with David O. Russell on his next film. A lot of people bring up the fact that John David Washington is the son of Denzel, but I think he is making a name for his own. He is really becoming a next-level movie star. And that's what was so enticing about this film, is that it stars two upcoming movie stars who have already shown their potential, and now to see them on screen together in this film 100% lived up to that hype. Zendaya and John David Washington ooze chemistry and they're compelling whenever they're on screen together. The director of this film is Sam Levinson, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. His shows and films have a clear vision. They're not only interesting stories, but his films also are aesthetically pleasing to your eyes. I mean, Euphoria is gorgeous to watch. That's one of the best things about Euphoria. It's like a vibe to watch that show. The look, the music, the overall aesthetics are just so pleasing, and the same goes for Malcolm and Marie. The film was shot in black and white, and it looks sleek. It looks amazing. We overuse the term visual filmmaker way too much nowadays, but that's exactly what Sam Levinson is. Think about the fact that during the pandemic, not only did Sam Levinson direct this film, but he also directed two special episodes of Euphoria, which were terrific showcases for Zendaya and Hunter Schaefer. 
I mean, those episodes are going to end up winning Emmy Awards. I think Coleman Domingo is going to end up with an Emmy for his appearance in the Zendaya episode. And if Hunter Schaefer does not win an Emmy for her episode, then I don't know what's up with the Emmys. But those two specials felt so unique from the other episodes of Euphoria, but yet weirdly felt connected to the show overall. I thought they were genius. There was a lot of hype about Malcolm and Marie. It was shot during the pandemic. We got news that it was shot during the pandemic. And then Netflix bought this movie for $30 million. So when everyone heard that, they thought this movie was going to be the best film that they ever saw when it came out. And it's not that. But I am really confused by the mixed reaction about this film. And I think that all has to do with people's expectations about it. They thought it was going to be an episode of Euphoria or something. I don't know what they thought. They saw that Zendaya was in it. They saw that the star of Tenet was in it, John David Washington. So their expectations went through the roof. I think this film is a really good film, given the circumstances that went to making it. You have to look at the film and how they made it. They made it in the middle of the pandemic during a time where only two people could star in it. Obviously, this film could have been a lot better if there were more characters to the story, if it wasn't just a two-hander. But for what it is, I think it's a high-quality film, and I think it's a lot better than some of the other films this year that people are talking like they're masterpieces. I think Malcolm and Marie is as good as it could be, given the circumstances. I think we need to look at movies more about the circumstances that went into making them, other than just saying, oh, this movie didn't live up to my expectation that was so high of it. So in that case, I think this is a bad movie. It is not a bad movie. I couldn't even watch this movie and understand how people could think it's bad. I wouldn't go as far to say that it's great, but I think it's a really, really good movie that stars two movie stars. That's what I'm looking for. A compelling movie that showcases two great acting performances. What else are you watching movies for than to see Zendaya act? Act alongside John David Washington. I mean, these are two people that star in some of the biggest movies on the planet right now. Zendaya in the Spider-Man films and John David Washington in Tenet. And then they come together for the small indie. And both of them are given time to shine and we get to see the arcs of their character. Malcolm is a bit of an egomaniac who only cares about his upcoming film that's being released. And he cares about the reviews and he cares about the process of becoming a well-known director. And then you have Marie, who's really upset that she wasn't the star of this film. She's had a rough life. She's a former drug addict, which is interesting because she plays one in Euphoria as Rue. I think that's interesting because Sam Levinson, the director, is a former drug addict. So I think he keeps casting Zendaya as like a version of himself, which I think is endlessly fascinating. You see that with directors when their lead characters play like these weird versions of themselves. I think that's what's happening with Zendaya and Sam Levinson. It's also fair to note that this movie has a character in Malcolm that criticizes film criticism, so it's not that surprising when film critics bash a film that criticizes the industry of film criticism. I mean, 
It's not that surprising that critics wouldn't react that warmly to a movie like that. I don't find that surprising at all. I'm just surprised by some of these movies that we say are really good and whatever. And then a movie like Malcolm and Marie comes out and that's the one we go, oh, that's not that good. That's the consensus is that Malcolm and Marie is a middling movie. I just don't understand that. I think it's way better than a middling movie. In fact, I think it's better than most movies that come out today. A lot of people will compare Malcolm and Marie to Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story because it, like Malcolm and Marie, is about a couple being nasty to one another. But I think Malcolm and Marie is more like Steven Soderbergh's latest film, Let Them All Talk. Because that film, like this one, is about creative people using real-life people as inspiration for their books or movies and how that negatively impacts their relationship. Malcolm, the character played by John David Washington, has a lot in common with Alice Hughes, the character that Meryl Streep played in Let Them All Talk. In the way that both characters use people from their real lives to inspire their work but won't acknowledge that to the person that they're inspired by. Like, Malcolm won't acknowledge that his movie is about Marie at all, and Alice Hughes, played by Meryl Streep, won't acknowledge that her books are about her friends. That's what these characters have in common, and that's why I find these movies and that idea so interesting is that creative people are using their real life as inspiration but won't fully admit it to the people in their lives. Another thing I find super impressive about this movie is that all of the backstory has to come from the dialogue and yet the movie totally works like they don't get to use visuals to tell the other sides of the story. It's all coming from the dialogue and to make such a dialogue heavy film and make it entertaining, that's a hard thing to do and the reason it's entertaining is because it stars two of the biggest movie stars working today Zendaya and John David Washington. The film perfectly showcases why they are rising stars and why their careers are careers of two people you should be paying attention to if you are a fan of movies because these people are not going away anytime soon. There was so much talk about this movie before it came out. I mean there were articles being written that Zendaya was joining the Oscar hunt. I mean, she's the youngest Emmy Award winner ever, so people were just like, what if she wins the Oscar as well? And again, that just lifted everyone's expectations to a point that wasn't going to be realistic. The same thing for John David Washington. People were writing about how he'd given the performance of a lifetime, and then when the movie comes out, people are like, wow, this isn't the greatest movie ever, but it's far from the middling movie that reviews will want you to believe. This is not a great film. It's a really good film, but it is a great showcase for two rising stars, Zendaya and John David Washington. And I am way more excited for the careers of Zendaya, John David Washington, and writer-director Sam Levinson than I was before I saw this movie. I think this movie was a worthy endeavor and is definitely worth watching. I mean, how many times do you get to see two rising stars in the middle of great runs act alongside one another. This movie was 100% exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a small movie with two people having an in-depth conversation about their relationship in the industry that Malcolm works in. So for that, this movie 100% works. But if you went into it thinking it was going to be this all-time great movie, then I could see why you would be underwhelmed. And the film's mixed reaction is 100% uncalled for. It's a really good movie with super Superstar 
performances from Zendaya and John David Washington, I definitely recommend you check out Malcolm and Marie. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on the movies Irresistible and Malcolm and Marie. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Palmer, starring Justin Timberlake, and Judas and the Black Messiah, starring Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you.